0: Jennifer Rudolph Walsh sits at the nexus of one of the world's leading entertainment and media companies. She is the global head of the worldwide literary lectures and conference divisions at William Morris Endeavor, WME, and steers the industry's most prominent book business with the largest presence of any agency on the New York Times bestseller list. She also spearheaded the launch of WME's conference division, creating national conferences, Oprah Winfrey with the Life You Want Tour, Ariana Huffington's Thrive Conference, and Cosmo Magazine with the Fun Fearless Life Conference. She is the founder of the groundbreaking women's conference, Together Live, which has seen over 30 cities over the last three years and lit 50,000 souls on fire. So I'm happy to introduce um, a really special person. Jennifer Walsh is just um, an inspiring sort of soul buddy. We, We have the same passion about some things that obviously we'll be talking about. And she really is the inspiration for me doing the podcast in this format, and I thank you so much because it really is so much better, And, and but you're so smart, and that's why oh, you are the way you are well, and who you, you are.
1: Thank you, Norma. It is just a privilege and an honor to be having a conversation about one of my favorite people in the world. So I'll start by saying, do you believe in love at first sight?
0: <sighs> not sure, not sure. I, probably not. Well, the reason I ask you this question is
1: because I think that's what I felt with you. I thought I'm over 50 years old. I'm never going to have a new, new, a new friend that feels like a friend I've known for Mm a hundred years. And I met you and I felt like I was meeting a friend that I'd had for 50 years. Right. Right. So that's my love at first sight story. Norma Kamali.
0: Yeah. I, I agree because there are friends you have for a long time and then you don't see them and you pick up the conversation where you left off. We have that from day one. So I'm so grateful because you don't think you're going to meet people at so many different points in your life. And it's great. And right. thank well, you. I feel like you're very open, so it probably happens to you a lot more than it happens
1: no. to me. <laughs> so speaking of openness... One of the things we first clicked on is we, I think we share a little bit of a worldview about the universe and destiny and how the universe is always talking to you through signs and synchronicities. So can you share a story about a synchronicity with me where you felt that the universe was talking to you mm-hmm. and you were actually
0: responding? Yeah. Well, I, I think I learned more about this through, through the years and um, there are people who kind of opened this this concept up, and, um, and you actually know Barbara Reeder, and I think one of the big turning points in understanding this was when my mother died, and I went to see Barbara Reeder, who is a psychic of sorts, right. who is able to connect with people who have passed, and I was shocked, because I was not a big psychic believer, I was shocked in how she was telling me about my mother in a way that only I knew in my relationship with my mother, especially when she looked at me and pointed her finger and said, your mother says she doesn't like your hair like that. I, oh. knew, I knew for sure <laughs> that we, were, we were that in touch. Your mother. And then, uh, and then uh, throughout that experience, she said, your mother is still with you and you will, if you're aware, you will see signs of her presence. And so my brother had been suffering for a long time and uh, was threatening suicide more times than not. And so one night he called me and he said, I I don't want to live anymore, I'm going to kill myself and I went running to his apartment. Is that the
1: pattern he would call, you would go in? Yeah,
0: and so in that same apartment, he and I had a ceremony for my mother's passing, and he had candles, and he played at a James at last. So when I came in, he was sitting on a bench in front of the TV, and the door was open, and as I sat on the bench next to him on the TV was a cat commercial and the music was at last. No. The minute my butt hit. Oh, the t- chills. So I was like, okay, that's my mother. I'm not, that's so bold and so obvious. And then I started to really tune in to little things that would come up on my iPhone or all of these things that I wasn't paying as much attention to. But I'd been aware, but this Deepened my um, sensitivity for signals. Right, and
1: and I, I we shared this belief that the other side is trying to communicate yeah. with us, and if we just pay attention, we'll see. So, have there been decisions that you've actually made based on signs or feelings that you've gotten that you maybe interpret mm-hmm. as intuition? I mean, what role does intuition play yeah. in decision making?
0: Uh, I think a lot. I mean, I'm. I'm calculating in my decisions about business moves and I'm calculating in, a, in the nicest way. But I always, in the end, wake up in the morning with a feeling and I go with it. And I think so much happens through our dreams and at night. And, and I, I am very much aware I hope I don't sound kookier than ever in this, but I'm very much aware of the fact that when I'm sleeping, since I started designing, ideas come to me that I feel are a gift to me and that I had nothing to do with. And so I I felt guilty in the past that these ideas, they're visual, I see them, but I didn't Create them; they were given to me, and so I, 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 I feel so appreciative that there is some something coming through me to to do these things, and I love them, and I'm so excited. But there's a part of me that knows that some of the things I've done have come through, and I've never seen them before. This well
1: yeah i think i think it was john lennon that's talked about being tapped into the collective unconsciousness yes. and you are some, one of the most source-inspired, source-channeling person. I don't care what you consider source to be, mm-hmm. but there is this sense that you've just sort of, your fontanelle never closed as a baby, mm-hmm. and you've just been kind of downloading yeah. the inspirations. And, it, and one of the things I love about you is that you just don't have inspiration for yourself. You have it for people that you love, mm-hmm. too. I mean, you're somebody who just dreams big, big for your friends mm-hmm. as well as you dream, dream big for yourself.
0: Well, I think that I, I, I think one of the things, and you and I have had this conversation, that understanding your purpose and understanding what why you're in this lifetime is a really important thing to come to terms with. And besides leading a creative life, my goal has been, and I understood that that was my job, to make women feel good about themselves, how they look, their self-image, whatever I can do, I feel I have the ability to do that. So I, I have this, it sort of makes, it, it, it fills me to know that something I know I'm sharing with someone else and something good can happen. Right. And I love doing that for women, especially friends, wherever I can share, because so many women have helped me and have been selfless in their generosity for me. So it's something you do, It you, you're the most generous person, I know, you really are, you're extraordinary, and that generosity is, fulfills you, I know right. it does. Well,
1: I mean, I think that one of the things um, is that I think when somebody's living, living a purpose-driven life and they're in their purpose and they know their purpose and they're acting in their purpose, two things. First of all, time expands, right? You have time for everything. And the other thing is it's contagious. Yeah. So you're contagious mm-hmm. and you make people feel like anything is possible. So my question about purpose for you, and I'm playing a little bit of, a, of, of, a, of an, an innocent here because I, I have mm-hmm. a feeling about this, but people have said to me, purpose is a luxury. Do you think purpose is a luxury or do you think purpose is something that every single person is born with?
0: Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, whether you're consciously aware of it or want to be, I, I try to, to talk about purpose a lot because so many people just live day to day and make decisions sort of in a patchwork way. But if you have a sense of, like, I know I want to lead a creative life. I want that. I, I, it's so important that freedom is important to me. And I want to do everything I can for women. So every decision I make, if I'm not sure, well, there's my... Does that's check the answer. The, check
1: those boxes? That's the
0: answer. So right. is it doing that? Am I on point? Now, maybe it'll nuance and change along the way, but basically... I knew early on that those were things I really loved and wanted to do. The sisterhood part of it though,
1: I mean you're very, very early on a person who has been very vocal about your about your support and your advocacy and your elevation of other women. Is that something you saw in your family? Did you see it in your neighborhood? Like, where did you get the role model for that?
0: You know, I think the role model came from positive and negative images. So my mother it was just an extraordinary, complex woman um, who saw no limits to what's possible for a person, not just a woman, but for a person. She could do anything she put her mind to, and she did, except she was born at a time where all of that skill and all of that talent could not run a company and be much more productive in her life than I am because she was far more talented, so her it was timing there that right. didn 't work. The other images that I had of women were I grew up in in a neighborhood where women had ten kids you know it was a Catholic neighborhood um, it was just the tradition to have large families but i saw the 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 draining from each of the mothers how they just became vessels for having children and they couldn't they couldn't really have a life because there was, no, there, there was no money, first of all, to even feed the kids. There was survival. It was tough. And so I weighed those images and realized I, the women have to be helped, they have to be supported, and women who have talent need to be able to have a place to express it. And so it set the image for me. I knew I wouldn't have kids. Those images were so powerful, and I knew that my mother's skill and talent, I had some of that and I, I didn't want anything to get in my way of living the dream that she could have had right, because right. it was also my dream.
1: So, right. So the story started as hers, but it's ending as yours yeah, in that yeah. way. Wow. That's so beautiful. So I, 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 that resonates so deeply with me. Um, but you're a pioneer because people weren't talking about supporting other women and and, and allowing them both mm. their creative freedom and their and their financial freedom mm. or even feeling good in their skin, so did you always think that your outlet was going to be creating clothing to start that made um, women feel comfortable in their own skin or
0: you know i uh, I think um, I, it really st- started first by I needed to understand who I was and um, I was trying to find my way because as you know I wanted to be a painter and I was so committed to that Um, but all of that training was great and the universe took me off in the path and I ended up creating clothing and I realized how happy someone could be if they felt good in what they were wearing and it helped them project a side of themselves and then the stories and every designer hears this I'm not unique to this Yeah, but but, you didn't
1: need a TED Talk to tell you that that feeling good in what you're wearing gives you confidence
0: from the inside out And so that um, really taught me a lot and there was a point in my career where I really doubted my choice I really felt You know, there are people curing cancer that are doing very important things. It suddenly didn't feel like an important enough. Yeah, and I'm worried about a quarter of an inch off on the hem that the factory didn't do and I'm worried about that and I'm thinking, something's not right. I need to get perspective. And then I started to really listen to the stories women were telling me about when they wore something, or they had a, a, a life-changing experience, and they're like, "My God, why aren't I listening to these people? This is this is powerful, and why can't I help more people? Why can't I do this in a in a way that is even bigger?" So my decision to to do Walmart was really out of like. Think of all the women who've never been able to afford you a were design to democrat- or anything. Democratize the yeah. experience. and so by doing clothes under twenty dollars, I reached millions of women, millions of women, like, no, and there totally was so youth. and and I had people write little thank you notes on their Walmart sales slips. You know, the little just the little register slip. And, and they would save them for me and I and I remember just being teary one day thinking, Oh my God, this note that this woman's just tearing my heart out here and I I really thought there's the power of this is really something I underestimated so But you were bizarre. drawn there
1: and it's interesting because I mean you and I both agree that there's scarcity thinking and there's abundant thinking. Yeah and you're just a natural abundant mm-hmm. thinker. But was there ever a party that thought if I do this low-priced thing, it could devalue, you know, what I do, you know, on a on a on a daily basis in terms of the higher priced yeah. part? Did you ever have scarcity thinking around
0: um, that? Um well, I, you know, that was the the concept and the thought, but I really felt and and I learned about what I could do all of the factories that I was working with through Walmart were high-end factories who were making clothes for famous designers, high-end brands, famous department stores, high-end, and they would take on the Walmart product, same machines, same sewers, to do volume to really make money, and big volume. And so I got to know each of the factories that we were working with, oh, and I, I said, fit, And detail and quality mean everything to me. I gave them my patterns to follow. I gave them a sample to follow. And I worked with them so that all of the women that bought these clothes at Walmart were getting the same quality that I would give them from high-end factories. And so I learned that you can have power of quality And good fabrics with volume amazing and so that experience was one of the best learning experiences I've ever had in my life and I I don't regret it at all I don't think I lost a customer there were people I mean Kathy Horn who was writing for the New York Times literally called me and she said I Went to Walmart at two o'clock in the morning, upstate New York, and I bought the last dress on the rack that I'm that sixteen dollars, and I'm going to wear it to the Giorgio Armani whatever tomorrow. So people understood that the quality was really there, and that I was invested in not taking the name Norma Kamali down, but trying to lift up women who had never had that experience. and And it turned out that people were buying quantities of it and then reselling it on eBay for no. twice the price. No. Yeah. So That's that $16 wild. dress actually was being sold for $200 on eBay because there were none left they that would sell out wild. in a second
1: but it was a manifestation of your of your purpose yeah. so you were just totally. evolving it because so because a purpose stays the same but the way that you express yeah. it evolves over yeah. time yeah. so let's go through the evolution yeah. for you for a little bit so it started out you know with with fine art and then Ultimately, clothing designing, and then trying to democratize that experience so that every woman could afford it, and then where has it? Where have you followed that inspiration of purpose from there?
0: Well, uh, and once, and this is an important phase that I'm very serious about now. So, um, in 1980, two of my best friends died of AIDS, and before that, you know, baby boomers just never thought about death. We were all in our prime, healthy, no matter what was going on, we were vital and and energetic. And now, there is no cure. People were dying. And I realized that this is affecting an immune system that can't fight back. So should we all be caring about our immune system? Should we be thinking about being healthier? No, we never had this conversation no, talking we're talking wellness we disease talking No, right. we're talking Studio 54. Right. We're talking, like, none of this. So I became obsessed with trying to find this out. Now, I had the luxury of being obsessed because I didn't have children. If I had children, my love and nurturing would be towards them. But I had the opportunity to go to Arizona and go to explore, you know, what Dr. Lodog, the Indian medicine woman, and and Andrew Weil and Michael Pollan were talking about all these people. And I would go Regularly, and, and this is before me- the
1: Internet, so it's not like you're yeah. Googling this no, stuff.
0: No, 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 no. I mean, you're out there. I would there. go to sessions and take notes and go to meetings in California and uh, all over the place. But Arizona was the center of this very quiet conversation of integrative medicine and proactive approach towards health care. And so these were some of the early people who were... I mean, I don't think Michael Pollan had even written his first book yet. And so, I, of course, I would come back and talk about thinking I was a kook. There was no conversation with anybody, right? So, but I, I kept reading and learning, and my curiosity was really beyond. And then fast forward to 9-11... Um, I realized at that point that the immune system, again, the stress of having this new layer. So we, were collective, like we had collectively had a suppressed exactly. immune system. So something had to be done because n- nothing would be the same again. So I decided to open the Wellness Cafe. And the Wellness Cafe, there was Liquiteria and... and um, Organic Avenue had just begun, and I started to carry juices up here. But I also looked at things like, well, if you're going to brush your teeth with a toothpaste that has chemicals or sugar, and you have the choice of brushing your teeth with a tooth soap that also can pull bacteria out of your system, maybe that is an immune supporter. It's, it's something that's going to take less stress on your immune system.
1: You never thought, stay in your own lane, Norma. What are you doing with this? Th- that thought never yeah. th- never thought. Never no, because it,
0: to me, I had information that I could share and that could maybe, maybe people be interested in. So the other thing, so there's a mouthwash that can alkaline your body and take the acidity out. So I started to source all of these products. And before I knew it, out of the little holes, all of these people who were interested in healthy a healthy lifestyle were coming out of the woodwork, all silently doing their thing because it just wasn't what people were talking totally. about.
1: Totally. Glennon Doyle says, you know, when, when you find out what breaks your heart and then you go to serve that, you'll find, find your people. Yeah. So that's what was happening. Yeah. You, your heart was broken by yeah. this, and you And, Amazing. You, and you found yeah. your people when you went to serve, yeah. serve that population. And,
0: but it very informed group of people, and then I started to have talks with people who were smart and had information to share. We used this floor to do a different workout every evening and have talks and teas, and fast forward to now, well, I'm so happy that everybody is thinking everybody about it or talking it. about yeah, I mean, it. Now you go into the into the grocery store in the corner and everything. They, everything's like- However, there's an excess of product. Some of it may be a commercially viable concept, but doesn't have a soul and doesn't have a reason. So there's too many things, and the more I looked at it, I thought I need to help people simplify and. Don't jump to trends like there's cannabis and everything now Do we know is it is it going to work for everybody? It's just too much You know that there is no no authentic kind of core to this in the wellness world Yes, some of it works, but what is it about so I instead then decided I know enough about simple core ingredients that can help a woman feel good about herself without a stitch of makeup on, I will start with skin and base everything thereafter on a healthy lifestyle, which is sleep, diet, exercise. And so those simple concepts are free, basically. We eat too much food, just eat better food. If there's a staircase, you're at the gym. And sleep, you have to start thinking about it from the minute you get up. Are you respecting that ritual of sleep? Mm-hmm. And so I then thought if I start with skin, which is basically Biggest the way the body, we are, yeah. um, and I help women feel that, yes, your nose is your nose, your eyes, your eyes, your eyebrows, your lips, they don't need to be fuller. They're your lips. Why not just do the best version of you through a healthy lifestyle but also from products that will make you feel good enough to not have to put anything on the beauty industry makes us believe that we're not pretty enough yeah. so we need to cover we up we have to be
1: broken so that yeah. they can fix us so they're
0: going to fix you shape your nose yeah. and you could make your eye bigger and your lips fuller and like whoa, what about my authentic face? Nobody else has it. It's my face. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put it out there in the best way possible. And when you know you can do that, a woman really feels a power in that. Now, if you want to put makeup on to play, that's different than putting it on because you want to cover your you wrinkles, like you want to you wanna do right. that, yeah, so... Well,
1: okay, so, you know, basically what ends up happening from what I'm hearing about this about this arc is that you are a pioneer, you create an opportunity that eventually becomes mass, everybody's doing it, then you move on to the next thing, and now you're doing that once again. So my question is, um, I'm just completely... Um, I think confused by how much plastic surgery and Botox and fillers people have, mm. um, and I I think that what confuses me is that I think that people think they look younger and they actually don't. They just look different Witness or protection. weird. Yeah. yeah. So um, <laughs> so and and so what what are your thoughts on that? And, and yeah. what do you imagine is going on on inside somebody who yeah. looks in the mirror and sees somebody that's completely altered?
0: Well, so my feeling is. I I don't I don't want to say, you know, if a new sort of laser something comes out and it does something to your skin that freshens it or whatever. I, I'm not saying I'm against any of that stuff. What is hard to, to feel good about is when women have such low self esteem that they will go as far as creating new lips or just a different face so that they can feel better about themselves. That's where it, it makes you feel sad, and you don't want women to look vulnerable because they're not feeling good right. about who they are. Right. And that vulnerability is an unhealthy one. Right. And people take advantage. It's, really,
1: it's insecurity yeah. more that it is and, vulnerability. And,
0: and it's a signal that they can be taken advantage of. It's a signal we put out when we show wow. that. Right. So I that concerns me. But if something's mm-hmm. going to make you feel good and it's not distorting you, then then it's okay if you want to change the color of your hair if you want to like do uh, eyebrows a little arched or whatever i but when it comes into this other zone where you just look victimized right that makes me feel really bad right
1: because i'm just wondering my you know people think well i'm doing it to make myself feel better but does it really make people feel better
0: no i I don't know I don't know maybe it does temporarily I don't know, but the aging process is a very um difficult thing for a lot of women because they they no longer feel um, they no longer feel that their value is as as good as it once was because we've been judged by the way we look for so long. Right. So now I think the way to achieve that is to be as healthy as possible. You know, the more you work out, the tighter your neck is, right? right? right. The more you eat healthy, the shinier your eyes and your hair is better. There are things there are real things you can do right. that, that can affect how you look and how you feel right. about yourself. a
1: virtuous cycle. You, yeah. you and I had lunch a few uh, weeks ago, and... You were the first person who I've ever talked to who saw menopause as this great celebration mm. for a woman. Yeah. And you really talked to me about how, from your 50s on, you know, your great rewards are all coming. So yeah. can we talk a little yeah. bit more about that? Because that's not a message we're hearing from yeah. anybody out yeah. there.
0: No, it, it. well, I mean, we just ended a conversation about being healthy. That's critical to this, this whole story because the experience... First of all, turning 50 is is a huge milestone for women like turning 30 is. So from 30 to 50, you're evolving and establishing your sense of self. And then all of a sudden, as you get into 45, 46, there are changes. You're feeling different. Your hormones are changing. And you start to have this insecurity about... I don't feel grounded. I feel like I'm floating or something's going on. And it's disturbing and disorienting. So the way to get through through that in the best way possible is forget alcohol. We talked about this. Forget anything that's going to compromise your immune system and focus on health, 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 health with As much energy as you can muster because that's a proactive approach to getting through this period and keeping your self-esteem and your your sense of worth right right
1: right. so maybe this isn't a fair question but for somebody who doesn't always have that wellspring of connection to creativity and to you know and I know gratitude is a big piece of that you know do you believe that if you first act it, that it will come? Like, mm-hmm. in other words, if you focus on health inside and out, then,
0: then the next step will happen? Yeah, it's very, very, very much so. I think that that's a big key factor. And women aren't, we aren't having that conversation enough for women who are in their mid 40s to 50 about now you don't have a choice anymore. There is a different kind of exercise you do at this point in your life. It's different from what you did when you were 30, but there's an exercise program you need to start to, to give you the strength and the power to get through this. And I think everything you put in your mouth has, has a, a, an importance in how you're gonna react and how you feel. Do you need caffeine? No, you don't need it. Do you need to sleep? absolutely right. respect that respect that part of your life sleep out of the sleep diet exercise we've talked about this is 50 percent of the pie huh? so restoring yourselves for whatever you did for that day that restorative sleep is critical so if you're going through menopause and you're not getting sleep and you're not getting through it with with all the support you can give yourself It'll make it so much harder. It's not impossible, but it makes it harder. So how you get through menopause is really helpful in determining how you reinvent yourself when you're 50. So how
1: you do the transition actually determines how you're going to be on the other side. So looking at you, it's impossible to imagine this, but I'm wondering, did you go through a a time in your life where you thought, you know, all eyes aren't on me anymore
0: and I'm not, you know, I'm not... Every woman... Every woman. There are 30-year-olds that feel that way. It's, so, it's not even an age thing. Right. It's like you're, you're not at your best self. You're not at your best self. It could happen at any time. And it's, uh, it's not a bad thing because it sort of keeps you on point. Like there's how are people reacting to you? What's different about the way they're talking to you? So when you're not healthy and you look vulnerable people respond to you or act differently towards you right. when people feel your power there's a lot of respect there's a lot of, of of there's a different body language that takes place so i think when we're vulnerable because we're not taking care of ourselves right. and we're not there's not nur- no self we're not love nurturing ourselves, yeah. right it's very yeah. evident and the and the creatures come out and they come and they know, they can sense it, that they could take advantage of this person. Because so, you're putting out a
1: broken signal and people are going to pick up on it. And you know,
0: and the wrong people are so good at picking up on it. And so it's so important on so many levels because women are vulnerable at this period of time. But the beauty is on the other side. Well, that's, tell me more about that. So... So you you get to the point where you're thinking about reinvention. Everything you did before just doesn't work for you anymore. You don't really, you're not connected to it. It's like somebody else's mind and body was there. And this new person is in a a completely different mindset. There's a different energy. You have something that was a hobby or sort of a secondary thought all of a sudden, is so exciting to you or something you never thought about before and you're feeling a passion about it or a passion about something but you can't figure out what it is that's part of the process and at 50 the best reinvention happens because you are smarter than you ever were you've gone through this physical change and it may still be happening to To a certain point, but you you've learned how to manage it better and now you can be basically whoever you want to be. Because the confidence And you're less reactive. How do you beat it? And the hormones are not directing your behavior. Right. And so you're clear thinking, you're wise. And when you're healthy, you don't need corrective makeup. You don't right. need to do airbrush faces. That's that you, virtuous cycle. And you can feel better about how you look and how you, how you present yourself and how you wear clothes and how you move. And all of that starts this awareness, this self-awareness, and confidence that you never had before in your life. The power of not having hormones direct your behavior and you know what it's like to feel hormonal. I mean, the freedom to mm-hmm. not have that, I think of some of my hysterical moments. Or, you say
1: that, and I find that impossible. Oh my to god!
0: Live. Oh my god! OCD, like, I get,
1: but hysterical, right. no, I no. But get.
0: but privately hysterical, but getting like obsessed about something that I see, like unnecessarily, and then like obsessive
1: rumination about something that's yeah. just
0: yeah, right, right unnecessary. Right. Yeah. And so putting all of the energy to more positive things and having and being able to help people because now you're a wise soul and by helping people, you're filling that cup. It's just being filled. You're not even thinking it is, but it's filled. And all of a sudden you have such a value that you could never have had before. And this is a whole new way to live. So at my age, I'm feeling so free. And as long as I do everything I can to take care of myself so I'm physically able to do everything my mind tells me I want to do, I feel exhilarated. And I wouldn't change 20, 30, 40, any decade, I wouldn't change it. And it's not bullshit. It's not. It's bullshit. so, it's no, it's not, so, it's so it's obvious. Like, it's so inspiring. So
1: I just want to be cognizant of people who may feel like what you're saying is is impossible from where they're sitting. You know. So I want to ask. You said bad energy brings out bad people. Have there been times when you've let your boundary down and you've and you've interacted oh with, my God. with people that
0: you? Is there any story that comes to mind where? Well, I can just name practically every guy I had a relationship with when I tried so hard to believe I could balance the woman who was running a business and directing a big staff of people and factories and all and licenses that would come home to pretend to be huh. what that woman should be in a relationship, right? And so you were shape shifting in and, a way that, and I was it. I I couldn't bluff it for more than two years.
1: So you had an expiration point. You could you could hold your breath basically yeah. for two years. Yeah, and the and then-
0: minute the minute I showed and when I showed vulnerability, I was taken advantage of. But then when I said, hang on a when second, strength, this is the me, Yeah, uh, I saw, oh, it all falls apart. Uh-oh. So it really isn't me, it's this vulnerable, and I allowed myself to be... Sort of the subservient one because it was like, how do I? I can't be bossy. I can't be the in charge. I I you have to a play by it. You were pioneer in
1: every other place, but in this place, there was still something traditional. Yeah. In the way that you well, were, oh, in or the story you were yeah, telling yourself.
0: Because I I thought, what? Well, I have to be able to have balance in my life. I have to be able to have a relationship. But the way you this. were defining balance is interesting. Yeah. But that was also. I mean, if I would have shown me at the beginning, I knew that this this would not, you know. I thought, well, I would sneak it in here and yeah. there. But the truth is, there are very few men then and even now who can handle someone who's telling everybody what to do and how to do it. Right. And then to come home to be able to have an opinion, there's still a lot of men that have a difficult time with women having strong opinions. Right. So what was the
1: shift for you when you realized I didn't, you know, I'm, I'm doing this in 80% of my life, but in this 20% of my life, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm not being authentic. Yeah. So, so what was the shift for well,
0: you? Well, I mean, I just kept uh, sort of lying to myself and I have to admit that I didn't put the same energy into the relationships I put into. My well, I, work. I said twenty yeah. percent. I mean, for
1: most people it would yeah. be fifty or more, yeah. but I know so, you, so no. I said twenty percent.
0: So, so because of that, you're you're just you're not really thinking it through. You're not being collaborative with the person you're with. And but there was a part of me that knew, as much as I really liked these guys or and thought that they were an important. Person for me to be with at that period. And I learned from each one of them a lot and they were substantial people but I knew I wasn't going to marry them. I knew I didn't want to spend the rest of my life with them. Whatever it would be, would be fine. So it's sort of... I also projected something else there too. So I'm guilty in maybe... You know, mixed messaging, right?
1: Right, because if you're not being authentic, and it yeah. feels authentic to them, they don't—they don't know. Yeah, any, they don't yeah. Know any yeah. yeah.
0: So I mean, the relationships are still a very big conversation women have to have because, as much as we've accomplished in moving up and getting more power and being more important in the workplace and in our careers and goals, and even trying to figure out childcare and how to do that connecting with men who are the right fit it's very difficult still a difficult right
1: and i'm just wondering in your case because you were divorced at an early age and yeah. you actually you know you lost things that you had worked very hard yeah. for yeah. did that make you feel like there wasn't a happy version of of a of a romantic partnership
0: you know uh, it it's interesting i because i didn't have a lot of boyfriends but I had longish relationships and there would come a time that I was just like oh I can't wait just to be by myself to be with me to find me so I would have those intervals and I would be happy for them. And then I would maybe meet someone and say, oh, my God, so much fun, or they're so smart, or whatever, and I'd be intrigued with them. Uh, But I never thought I was going to meet my soulmate. I just didn't. Do you think you believed in soulmates? Um, I thought that other people had it, so but you I, I didn't. I didn't, have, I didn't have a sense of what that meant.
1: Your creative life was almost like your soulmate. Totally,
0: and uh, you nailed it totally. So I didn't feel like, oh my God, my life's not complete. I don't have a soulmate. I never thought that way, but and so I've, I've had good long-term friends, and that. So important too to be connected to people. But when I found my soulmate, it was like, whoa, so this is what it is. And so, okay, I'm 65 and it's better late than never. And so, you, it's sort of like this gift to say that past 50 there are a lot of surprises. Right. It's not the end of the road but early on. So I give that example because it's not just how you go through the process and feel about yourself, but it is important to work on yourself so that you, you can accept Your soulmate. Right. That's so true. At any age. so true. At any age. Let me
1: ask you, because I've seen you with your soulmate, and you are beyond delicious together, made for each other. Beshert, the Yiddish Mm -hmm. word. If he had knocked on your door 10 years earlier, what do you think? No. So timing is everything, right? Timing is
0: everything. Timing is everything. Um, And, you know, we talk about that a lot. And, obviously, having kids... um, in his life was extremely important his relationship with his children and his grandchildren, which I only benefit from because I'm I'm having the glow of that. Right. Uh, that even do. though I didn't expect that that would be part of my life, but so earlier wouldn't have wouldn't have worked. But I think we probably wouldn't have even been friends because I went through periods of. Visual experimentation. I had red hair for fifteen years. I was there were periods when I had more jewelry on than a jewelry store. You know, times I shaved my eyebrows and had no No. eyebrows. Yeah, you shaved your eyebrows. I've done everything. So I think (laughs) my worst fear that somebody would shave my eyebrows. (laughs) So I can tell you. That when he sees the red hair pictures, he's horrified. He's like, "I love you so much. I don't know though that we would have been able to have a conversation." And and that's so true. Right. It's so true because you're. I, I was projecting this whole other person, and I was living the life of a redhead, which is so exciting right. and so much Especially fun. Especially
1: for an introvert. You know, you're basically an introvert. Totally. So you tried on an extrovert for a little while, right? And
0: it was so much fun, but totally not anything he could connect he could with. He couldn't have been able to connect to, right. So, you know, it and is And also timing. in terms of
1: timing, I remember you talking about an apartment that you had spent, I think, probably almost 10 years, right, yeah. making absolutely perfect mm-hmm. Um, But it was sort of, in a way, almost like a gilded cage, right?
0: Yeah. And totally um, something that uh, I knew when I turned 50, that that was not who I wanted to be or was going to be. And as as I told you, I did a total purge on... um, every possession I had and I realized my possessions were possessing possessing me and were really, they were beautiful but they were limiting my creative vision because everything around me was so beautiful so I just wanted more of that same thing and I realized I had to let go of some of the most beautiful things I've ever owned in my life and it was the most freeing experience. And still so today, if it doesn't do something, I don't have an ornamental thing. So you
1: condoed that. You were Marie Kondo before there was Marie Kondo. You exactly. condoed that shit. Yeah. And people would think that was the craziest thing in the whole world, and yeah. you've never looked back. No. no. So love that. What's the role of travel in all of this?
0: Well, travel for me—I mean, I had uh, a license agreement in Japan for 28 years, and I was in Japan four times a year for a very long time. And so, travel and travel in my early years at the airlines—big, big part of my exploration of who I was in different environments. Um, And travel just has always been an important part of understanding the globe and understanding my place in that world as a designer and also personally. So travel is is a big deal. I prefer not to travel as much now, um, but because Marty travels so much, I enjoy being with him in some of his traveling and he then tries to be with me when I'm traveling and so it gives us a chance to like be in a hotel room together and
1: try on a different be you know in this romantic
0: kind of and so it's been really good for us um and so I and I enjoy that with him he's fun to travel with as you know he's definitely entertaining um and and people might not know that you're a
1: soccer fanatic
0: I've turned into one. I don't know how that happened, but it did. And I, um, I'm a big David Silva fan, who is who plays with Man City, and he's a terrific player. So I'm not. I I've, I've been dressing celebrities for my entire career, and I'm not a groupie, celebrity groupie at all. Um, I just see them as women or individuals in a completely different way. Um, but I was so excited <laughs> to have a, had to do an Instagram selfie with David Silva, and he sent me one of his sweaty t-shirts, and it was like, Marty said, don't you think you should wash that? And I said, dude, it's not happening. No way. We're keeping My this. My lucky t-shirt. <laughs> I
1: love it. I absolutely love it. So as we're following the unfolding of your evolution, and I, I'm just, I find it all so thrilling, where is the evolution taking you next?
0: Well, I, I think the, the future of what can be in this disruptive time is very exciting to me. Um, I think disruption... Is, is a time when I thrive. I've always, whenever there's a disruptive time, I am at your my equal, best. Your equilibrium I'm is at just, my best. yeah, that's great. And because that means something that hasn't happened before can happen. And I, that's my comfort zone. That's when I feel invigorated. So I love ideas and I love seeing possibilities. So obviously VR, AI, communicating in, in different ways and connecting with people in different ways. I think the fashion industry is going through a huge shift which is so needed and valuable. Designers as designers in the past, their value is completely different. You can be a designer, a celebrity can be a designer, anybody can be a designer. So. So there's a different value for my skill set. And I have no problem with that because I see an opportunity with ideas and thinking for new things for the fashion industry, not so much in the clothing, but through sustainability, through new ideas and how we sell clothes or connect to consumers communicating through visceral experiences like right, VR, right. AI, artificial intelligence, giving us data to help make that interactive experience personal. Right, to,
1: draw, right, to dramatize it, because yeah. I see you as such a, a story-driven person. Mm-hmm. You love story, you love drawing stories out mm-hmm. of people. And so when you first started talking to about AI, I was like kind of confused by it. And then mm-hmm. the way you made me understand it, it's actually
0: about story. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and AI, AI has levels of seriousness, obviously, um, you know, AI is going to change everybody's life. And we as a country, as a population know very little about it. And that is a big concern of mine, because you can be sure the Chinese know a lot more than we do about it and other countries. And this is going to be the next power. It's not going to be the military. It's going to be this intelligence. So there's levels of this that are very serious, but there's also opportunities. Right. To
1: I think you're answering my next question, which is what keeps you up at night?
0: Um, very simple things. So I I, I get very... Um, concerns about people I know who have a problem or there's an issue or if somebody in the company is having issues or something like that. It's those personal things right. that keep me up and how how do I help? I can't help. What do I do? How does that so whether it's family or friends right. or so you're not something laying in like bed that. worrying
1: about the third uh, World War Three. No. You're laying in bed no. worrying about the woman no. who's worked for you for 10 years yeah. who's going through a yeah. divorce.
0: I mean, that's the most personal and immediate. Right. Keeping me up at night is not going to be the big world order because I, I am not singularly going to be able to change it. But I think awareness is, is super helpful. Right. And I also, I, I don't, I, when I watch the news... I watch as many channels as I can because I, I really want to know what everybody thinks. Right. I really want to know. I think in, in, in my travels and, and really becoming very connected to a lot of cultures, right. even in my marriage, married to an Iranian for 10 years, completely different culture, I learned that it's not the differences, it's what we have in common that that are going to make something change. And so when I was younger, I didn't have the patience for that. Now, I'm not as hot about issues. I'm thoughtful, and I want a solution. I want a solution. And so I listen and listen and listen. And and sometimes I think, oh, my God, what? And then I think, wait, just listen. Where's the connection? Where can I, reckon, where, where can I recognize that what, something, right? What is it? And so I've become um, m- more open to talking to people who have a completely different mindset or or even that i agree with them totally but i don't i'm not comfortable with the communication or something like that i try really 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 in in at my everyday to listen more and i think the one big thing we're missing now that really is very painful is that We've lost our sense of humor completely. I agree. And when I'm in London meeting with fantastic people, women especially, they have the best self deprecating humor. I know. And everything's funny. The planet. Everything's funny. The most painful things. And I come back and I've laughed and laughed and had serious conversation and and then everybody is so tightly wound here that we're about to just snap and I break agree.
1: and everything's being
0: elevated to a values conversation yeah. Yeah. i'm
1: you know we just can't get to as rumi said the field beyond wrongdoing. right doing and wrong doing and I agree. It's a very, we're very finger-pointing yeah. and sanctimonious. Without and,
0: humor, yeah. we're, we're stuck. And I was I also thinking completely. we are desperately in need of really good communi- com- uh, comedians of the level of Jerry Seinfeld. This, he did a, a Netflix show with all of the skits he did in the 70s. And it was so relevant, so funny, so positive, not mean-spirited, not harsh, no heavy words, nothing that was painful to anybody. And it was so refreshing and I thought, there are so many smart, you have to be brilliant to be a comedian. There are so many smart, quick-witted people they have to come out and they have to they have to really bring us to the point where we can laugh out loud until we cry. Right. And laugh
1: together. Yeah. Laugh together. I think that there's such a gotcha culture though that people are so afraid that they're gonna, you know, they're gonna make a offend joke offend somebody. And and then gonna offend somebody or, you know, something they said twenty years ago is gonna come yeah. back to, to haunt them. Yeah. I mean, I was just at a funeral today of a beloved colleague of mine who died at hundred and one. Yeah, Lou Weiss is Oh, name. my God. Yeah, he, he was George Burns' nephew. <gasps> and he started working at our company when he was 14 years old. No. Yes. And he was one of the most delicious, magnificent human beings I ever met. But sometimes he said things that were not appropriate yeah. for today's standards. Yeah. But he didn't judge him by today's standards. Yeah. He was born in 1918. Yeah, yeah. And I just think that there's no – we don't have the most mm. respectful interpretation for people. We don't cut people slack. Mm. And
0: I think humor is that way through that so it it's the only way it's the way and you know when I came back from my last trip to London I said let me just put on some comedians because I I can't two phone calls I had and everybody's so tightly wound I don't know if I can deal with it Uh, a dinner where somebody was you know about to like burst and I thought I need I need to laugh, and so I put on Dave mm-hmm. Chappelle, and who's brilliant. And what does he say? The first thing he says is, "Well, this is the last Netflix show I'm doing because everybody's so sensitive, you can't say anything." And then he went right. to talk about was like said, "No, not you too," but I think there are some new talent. There's new talent. There's current talent who like Seinfeld knows how to be authentic mm-hmm. and look at look at what he's done through the years. He's managed to work his way through all of our new standards in the way he's presented yeah. his brilliance he's like ninja. and survived it. Yeah, so there are people like him right that we desperately need and I am praying that they come up rise up to the occasion and make everybody laugh and talk about things without hurting anyone and being so point on brilliant that we rethink all of our preconceived notions about who we think we are and how we believe our culture should be. Right. It, and the us versus them oh my god no 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 yeah. more no more yeah. no more right so i uh, i'm i'm hoping that we can do this through humor i agree with you actually i think humor and storytelling yeah.
1: are our most powerful our most powerful mm-hmm. connectors and elevators yeah. and healers and when you know somebody's story you can never you think love of them, them. as of no, other love again. Them.
0: Yeah, and when you laugh together, it's the greatest medicine yeah. of all times. Totally, and and especially when you don't agree, right? And you agree about what's funny, yeah. And it's pointed to both parties. Completely, it's the best. The best, it's the filming. best, the best. And and in the seventies, actually, there were so many comedy clubs, so many, and we were just addicted to them. We would go from one to the other, and all of the great comedians started in these clubs and we would laugh so much and in fact in my normal day and all of my friends we were always making jokes nobody makes jokes anymore nobody thinks it's important to be funny right nobody
1: everybody's so serious people don't even say how you no, on the phone no it's no like everything gets right down yeah. to, the, to the to business
0: or just like to take the time to be humorous so there's there's a woman in the sample room who's from British Guiana and her, the, the whole sort of tempo of the people around her is that they're always joking about something. Right. So I, I was watching her in the sample and she's been with me for over 45 years and so I saw her in the sample room and she makes these jokes with people and not everybody speaks the same language, so it has to get through Chinese and the Spanish and right. the theater. You know, but she's, she understands how to tell because she's committed to making somebody laugh. But this is just her culture, it's her husband, it's her daughter, they all They're make all people just laugh. The whole time, and right. so she does it with the people downstairs. And I thought, you know. She's the most talented person I know. She's been my right hand forever. But her best asset is she wants people to be happy. And right. so she will take the time to conjure up a That's joke. That's probably
1: her purpose, actually. Yeah. is probably about there making you go. people
0: happy and making people laugh. All
1: yeah. right. Well, I just want to ask you one final question. I know it's a question that people get asked a lot. But I think it's, I think it's particularly interesting talking about synchronicity and purpose and sort of the unfolding um, if you could tell your 16-year-old self, if you could go back and give her
0: one piece of advice, what would you tell her? Um, you know, I, I, I would just say you got to go through the experience and just go through it. I wouldn't tell just her keep don't go- do this. Just keep going, darling. Because how, how else do you create the human being you're supposed to be. Right. So it's just like, you got to do it. You got to go through it. I love it. You wouldn't change yeah. a thing. No, no, absolutely. No. Absolutely. Inspiring. And would you?
1: No, no, I wouldn't. Although I, I think I would tell my 16 year old self to try easier,
0: but that's your hormones. <laughs> so that's what, yeah. So I just
1: thought you had to try the hardest of anybody. Yeah.
0: No. And,
1: but. and, and so I think that what I've come to learn is that, when you're trying so 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 hard you're missing the flow and you and so what i would tell my younger self is to just try easier so but, but i, but I love just h- keep yeah. going I but love it didn't it.
0: hurt you at no, all no no because at all. that's what you were meant to do right. to, to be able to have the position to help as many people as you've helped so your purpose has been to help all these people that you really put on the map and really Put their careers forward and to be able to do that you had to try hard yeah
1: that's true actually and that's so really now
0: true. you don't have that hormonal edge right and so now it's just like smooth riding yeah and it's awesome it's great it's right? amazing thank you so oh, much for you. doing this i, can I talk love to you, you all You're night the best. i absolutely <laughs>
1: adore you thank you thank you
0: so much